ask you to please turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the second part of Daniel chapter 2, beginning with verse 31. And before we look at it, it's going to be a lengthy text, so keep your Bibles open to it. Uh, For those of you who are here for the first time in this series, this is our third week into the series. And the book of Daniel is a great book. Uh, The first six chapters talks about people who live faithfully to God in a toxic culture. And then the second six chapters talk about four apocalyptic visions that God has for the future of, for God's people in, in the book of Daniel. And last week, we, we were looking at how King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. And Babylon was an empire that came in and they defeated God's people. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was the one who uh, really, really led that effort. And after he defeated God's people, he ended up taking several of the young Israelites, the people of God, and he brought them uh, under his rule in Babylon. And as they were there in Babylon, he indoctrinated them in the Babylonian ways. He took them through what we would call Babylonian or Babylon uh, University, and he took them through three years of training. These were young men between the ages of 15 and 19. And he took a handful of them, and Daniel and his three friends were included amongst this, this group of exiles who King, Babylon, or King Nebuchadnezzar would try to indoctrinate. And while they were there, they learned not only about Babylonian literature and Babylonian history and the Babylonian gods and the myths of the day, but they were also taught magic and sorcery and dream interpretation. So when we get to chapter 2... This king, Nebuchadnezzar, he has a frightening and disturbing dream, and he first goes to his Babylonian magicians, but he does something that no king had ever done before. You know, usually a king, whenever they would have a dream, they would go to their magicians and sorcerers, and they would would tell them the dream, and then they would ask them to go back and talk amongst themselves and come back and tell them the interpretation of the dream. But this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to do things differently. And instead of telling the magicians and sorcerers his dream, he told them that they had to tell him what he dreamed about. And not only did they have to tell him what he dreamed about, but they also had to explain its interpretation. This was an impossible request that any king would ever make to his people and to magicians or sorcerers. And so they came back and they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we can't possibly do this. You have to tell us the dream and then we'll come back with its interpretation because no king would ever demand such a thing. But that wasn't good enough for King Nebuchadnezzar. Instead, he said, no, you have to tell me what I dreamed. And if you don't tell me what I dreamed, I will have you all killed. Well, of course, these Babylonian magicians, they were beside themselves and they said, No man could ever tell you what you dreamed. Only the gods could do that, but the gods aren't here. And so this infuriated Nebuchadnezzar, and he wanted all of his magicians and sorcerers killed, including Daniel and his friends who were going through the training. Well, last week at the end of of the sermon, we got to the point where the captain of the guard came to Daniel, and he told him the hard news. And Daniel's initial response was one of prayer, And he also asked the captain of the guard, can you go back to your king and ask that I come before him and that I tell him what he dreamed and interpreted? And so the captain of the guard went back to the king and the king, sure enough, gave Daniel a hearing. And that is where we are now in verse 31 and we're going to see the dialogue 
between Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. So look with me now, Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Daniel saw, said these words to the king Nebuchadnezzar. You saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and to, and to whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut off from a mountain by no human hand. And that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. For the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As we look at this lengthy text, we're going to see two things. We're going to see a dream revealed and explained, and then we're going to see a king and a servant's response. So first, a dream revealed and explained. Now, before Daniel went on to tell the king what he dreamed, and then to explain it to him, he wanted to tell the king something important. And if you go back to verse 27, he said to the king, King, no wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. What Daniel was trying to get at before he went and unveiled to the king what he dreamed and what it meant is he wanted to remind the king of who gave him the vision of the dream. It was God. God gave Daniel the vision of the dream. Daniel did not have the ability 
to do the impossible request that the king had asked. Even though he was a man of faith, even though he went through all that schooling and training about dream interpretations, he said to the king, I just want you to know before I tell you what you dreamed, that this is not coming from me. This is coming from the one true God, the Lord, the God Almighty. He is the one who gave me the ability to tell you what you dreamed and to give you its interpretation. God alone is the one who is to receive credit for this. He is the one to receive all glory and all praise. He is the one we are to applaud after I tell you what you dreamed and what its interpretation is. And then he went on to describe what the dream was and how Nebuchadnezzar in his dream had saw a, or he saw a massive image and it was a frightening image where the head was of gold, the chest and arms were of silver, the stomach and thighs were of bronze and the legs were of iron and the feet were made up of partly iron and partly clay. This was a frightening image to Nebuchadnezzar and notice how it was made up of metals. But as you can see, it starts out with the best metal. And then it begins to decline in value from gold to silver to bronze to iron to clay. Now we will find out here shortly that these metals symbolize that of kingdoms and future kingdoms that would come even after Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian kingdom. And how these kingdoms would be inferior to those ahead of it, but yet it would still be strong enough to have wide-ranging power and wide-ranging control. But as the dream went on, Daniel went on to describe to the king that he envisioned that of a rock that came out of nowhere. And the rock came crashing down and it went straight at the feet. And it destroyed the feet and then all of a sudden, the rest of the structure came tumbling down and toppling down, and it splattered all over the place, and it became like chaff, and then the wind blew it all away. That was the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had that frightened him. But before Daniel continued on to give its interpretation, if you notice in verse 37, he said these stern words to the king. He said, you, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. What was Daniel getting at here? King Nebuchadnezzar, before I tell you the interpretation of your dream, I want you to be reminded of where you got your power from. You, O great king, are here because of God. You're not here because of your own ability, but God has put you in this place of authority. It's God who has put you in control of Babylon and in control of all these regions that you are conquering. It's God. That's why you're here today. And you, king, Daniel goes on to give its interpretation, represent the first piece of the image, that of gold. You and the, the kingdom of Babylon represent the image of gold. But king, I want to remind you where you got your power from. God. Just as God gave me the vision of your dream 
and he told me the interpretation of your dream. So God has given you a place of authority. But one thing I really noticed was verse 39. After Daniel explained the first part of the image, notice what he said. Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you, after you. That phrase, it's significant. Why? Because Daniel was about to explain the rest of the dream with that phrase, after you. And then he goes on to describe these other inferior kingdoms that would end up taking over and would be the kingdoms of the world of their day. But what Daniel was getting at here is King Nebuchadnezzar, one day you will no longer have your kingdom. There will be an end to Babylon. And after you will come another kingdom. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar heard these words, I can only imagine how he must have felt humbled. It was a sobering reminder that his kingdom had an end. I bet he was shocked. No wonder he was frightened because Nebuchadnezzar, after all, was building his own empire. He was focused on the here and now. And yet he more than likely forgot that there was, there was going to be somebody who would be after him. You remember back in the war in Iraq when U.S. soldiers went into Baghdad? What did they do to Saddam Hussein's statue? <laughs> they tore it down. And we were all saying, USA, USA, USA. It was a great moment. As a military man, I took a lot of pride in that moment. I thought, this is awesome. But what did that symbolize? It symbolized the end of an era. It symbolized that Saddam Hussein no longer had control over those people. The dictator was no longer in charge. He ended up dying. No more Saddam Hussein. He had statues everywhere, toppled down, destroyed. You know, this past summer, I got to go to the state capitol, and we had a tour guide show us around the capitol. It was a great experience. And we saw all these beautiful paintings of recent governors. And I noticed Governor Lee's picture was not up there yet. And I just asked a simple question, where's Governor Lee? And they said, well, we're painting his picture now, and it's getting finished, and, and we have to remove the governor that was seventh from his term. They said, in fact, we only keep the, most sev- or the seven most recent governors on, or in the Capitol. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. Because one day, Governor Lee's painting will be removed when the seventh governor from him will assume office. It was a sobering reminder that governors come and go. And that was what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about, how his kingdom would come and it would go. Someone after him would (laughs) defeat him and another kingdom would come. Now, I want to ask you a question practically. After you. Some of you right now are in a position of authority at your work. You're not going to be in that position forever. Who's after you? Who are you investing in at work to take your position? Who are you helping groom to be your successor? We all need to be thinking that way. 
We all need to be cross-training because every one of us could get hit by a bus. For those of you who are parents or grandparents, who are you training in to continue on your family name and legacy? Who are you building up? Are you investing in those after you? Because if you don't, we will see a generation that will collapse. We've got to focus on those who are after us and continue to be reminded that our days are short-lived. Who is after you that you need to invest in? Think about that for a moment. Again, it must have been a sobering reminder for Nebuchadnezzar to be reminded that someone would be after him. And scholars debate about the kingdoms and who these different metals represented. My view is that the chest of silver represents uh, Medo Persia because in Daniel 5, King Darius of Persia enters the scene and we know that Persia ends up becoming the next worldwide empire, major empire. The stomach and the thighs of bronze, I believe, represent Greece. It was Alexander the Great who would rise to power, significant power. Uh, We also know that when Alexander the Great was in his 20s, There was a time where he cried because he said, there's no other nation to conquer. (laughs) He was that driven to be the world leader of uh, the world. He was the the leader of Greece. And then we know that the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay represents Rome. And in verse 41, Daniel described how one day Rome would be divided. And this actually happened in history where the empire of Rome divided in two parts the eastern and the western halves, and later disintegrated even further. That's my view. But here's the thing, and here's the main point of the dream. It's not which kingdom would follow. It's not when this would all happen. It was what would happen to these kingdoms. And notice verse 34. As you looked, King Nebuchadnezzar, A stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. As you looked, Nebuchadnezzar, there was a stone that was made not of human hands. It was indescribable. And it came in and struck the iron and the clay, and it toppled the image down. What was he getting at here? Notice the phrase, as you looked. Once again, a sobering reminder to the king that he was merely a spectator in God's plan of history. He was looking on and seeing this image, but yet it was God who was in control of what was going to take place. He was merely a spectator looking on at what would happen. And what would happen? Well, yes, kingdoms would follow. Kingdoms would come and go. But there would be a kingdom that would grow, as Daniel described, into a mountain that would be unstoppable. And who represents that kingdom? It's God's kingdom. God represents it. And who is the rock? None other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus would come and he would topple down this image and he would rule over all. He would be the king of kings and the lord of lords. He would establish his kingdom And he would rule forever. His kingdom would have no end. And I absolutely love how Daniel described this kingdom. A kingdom that no man could ever make. A kingdom that was firm. That was unstoppable. 
that was secure, that could not be defeated. Now we know, because we're in 2023, how that kingdom has grown. The early church, it started out like this rock did, pretty small. But as Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came. We have seen over the ages, since the early church into today in 2023, how the church is an unstoppable force. It has grown significantly, and it cannot be moved. It cannot be shaken. Now, believe me, there have been kings and leaders who have tried to persecute Christians. But what has happened in church history when the church has been persecuted? Growth is what happened. Why? Because all of a sudden, people looking outside said, Oh, wait a second. People are willing to die for their faith? There must be something significant about that. I might want to be a part of that. So the church has grown in the face of persecution. You know, right now we're living in, silent, we're, we're living in this silent culture where they're trying to silence us, right? Is the church going to be silenced? No. No, cancel culture will not happen in the church. Now, people will try to cancel our culture, but will it happen? No. Why? Because Christians will be here always. Because God is here always. He's always on the move. You can't stop Jesus. You can't keep him down. Death could not keep him down. The grave could not keep him down. Satan cannot keep him down. And one day, Jesus will return and put Satan in his place into the abyss forever. And he'll say, enough of the kingdom of darkness. I have come to usher in the kingdom of life, of light forever. Jesus has established this kingdom of light. And he's building this kingdom of light. And it is an unstoppable force. This is the rock in which King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about. Now, what's amazing is, is I believe Daniel 2 is a direct and deliberate echo of Psalm chapter 2. Let's go back to Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying these words, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And I want you to pay special attention to verses 8 and 9. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Daniel 2 is a direct and deliberate echo of Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is saying the nations and the kingdoms and the kings, they've tried to 
plot against destroying God's kingdom. But it ain't going to happen. Never has, it never will. You can try to cancel culture. You can try to silence the church. But the church is on the move and the gates of hell will not overcome the church. So, I'm sure as Nebuchadnezzar heard these words, he was in awe and awestruck. And we find out his response in verses 46 through 49. Look with me again in Daniel 2. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and he paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. When King Nebuchadnezzar heard Daniel give him his dream and then interpret the dream, he was shocked beyond disbelief. He was humbled. And what did he do? He fell flat on his face. And then he acknowledged the one true God by saying, Daniel, your God is the revealer of mysteries. No other Babylonian gods was able to do this, were able to do this. But yet, your God did. And not only was Nebuchadnezzar blown away by what Daniel told him, he put Daniel in a place of authority. And then Daniel promoted his friends in a place of authority. You know, I want to remind you that these men were 18 to 19 years old. Some of you in here are 18 to 19 years old. You might be thinking to yourself, I'm too young. I just want to remind you, don't let people look down on you because of your youth. You too can make an impact. And many of you are making an impact. Keep it up. And one day... (laughs) You may be given a place of authority, and some of you might already be in that position. So be ready. Be prepared. Daniel and his friends prepared themselves for that moment. And they were ready when the time came. 18 to 19 years old, these men showed significant faith, significant wisdom. You know what I love about Daniel and his friends? And we're going to see this again next week, so stay tuned. Well, what I love about them is they did not isolate themselves from the culture, but they rolled up their sleeves and they got busy. Now, a lot of us are really discouraged about how our nation is drifting left. The progressive agenda seems to be graining ground and, and we're scared to death of what's going to happen to our nation. And many of us are watching Fox News and CNN and other news channels, and we're just scratching our heads saying, what has happened to our country? It's fallen apart. And many of us are just sitting in our homes, watching the news, and we're becoming ornery and critical and cynical. We can do that. Or we can do what Daniel and his friends decided to do, and that is, well, they found themselves in a pagan secular world they didn't want to be there but that's where God had them and so what do they do 
They rolled up their sleeves and they got busy. And they said, we don't like the circumstances we have found ourselves in. We don't necessarily know why God is doing what he's doing, but he's doing something. And so instead of just sitting back and complaining and being grouches, you know what? We're going to make the most of this opportunity, by golly. And we're going to stand up for the Lord. And we're going to do what we always do as believers. We're going to serve people. We're going to love people. And we're going to tell them about our great God. And you're going to see this in the next few weeks of how these young men had exceptional faith and how they stood up in the face of a toxic culture and they weren't canceled and they weren't silenced. They refused to be. In the same way, we got to stand up. We got to speak up. We got to show people love. And we got to be uncompromising in truth and unwavering in love. We don't need to sit back and isolate ourselves. We need to roll up our sleeves and take action. Jeremiah 29, 5 and 7. Jeremiah found himself in exile. He wasn't in a good situation either. But this is what he told God's people to do. He said, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. We are finding ourselves in an uncomfortable situation here in America, even here in East Tennessee at times. But you know what? Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. God is on the move. <laughs> he, is, he is working through us. Don't give up. Keep your head hanging high and know that he can use you in significant ways. So keep the faith, my friends. And be reminded of stories like this, of people who have lived before us, who are finding themselves in worse situations than we're in, but yet God used them significantly, just as he could use you and me. So hold on to that.